Welcome to Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American, posted on July 23rd, 2009. I'm Steve Mursky. This week we'll talk about the nuts and bolts and photons and electrons of solar energy with Jeff Wolf. He's the CEO and co-founder of Grow Solar, a leader in solar energy in the U.S. Back in June, Jeff was in New York City at a conference. We met over breakfast at the restaurant in his hotel in Midtown Manhattan. Tell me about your personal background and how you got involved in this whole field. Uh, Back in 1973, I was 13, and the Arabs decided to embargo oil. And I actually built my first uh, hot water solar collector in 73. It didn't work, (laughs) but uh, I guess maybe the fact that it didn't work propelled me in an engineering career and ended up getting a mechanical engineering degree and going out and doing uh, about 15 years of large building design, hospitals, laboratories, hotels, and uh, eventually got very upset with the uh, the fact that the marble tile always stayed in the projects through the cost-cutting, but the energy efficiency would usually be cut, cut out, mm-hmm. or often cut out. Um, and so that propelled me towards a, uh, a career of trying to make buildings that make energy rather than make buildings that just simply can consume unwisely. And you were growing up where? I grew up in north central Massachusetts. Which uh, doesn't get a lot of sun in the wintertime. Well, it, it, um, it, it, gets, it gets enough sun in so many ways. You know, the, uh, the leader in solar energy in the world right now is Germany. Right, not what you consider to be your, uh, your not, beachfront. Not the sun belt. Sun-bathed area. And, and Massachusetts and, and Vermont, where we're based and such, get 30% more sun than Germany does. Hmm. We're just all skewed because we think of California. Right. And California is one of the sunniest spots in the world, Southern California is. And, uh, they get about 30% more sun than the Northeast does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the miracle, once again, is that the U.S. is unfairly endowed across the country with bountiful solar resources. <laughs> so <laughs> I jumped ahead a little <laughs> bit there. But um, so you got interested in, at, at an early age, and, and how did you actually then go off on your own and, and start this company? Uh, so I was a partner in an engineering firm, in, uh, working at that point in Chicago, and uh, um, uh, I always say that naivete has been one of my strong suits. Because so, you didn't know what you couldn't do. Right, exactly. And so we, uh, with two young kids, I quit my job, and my wife and I moved back to Vermont and decided to start a company. Had to figure out what the company was going to do, um, and we knew it would be something with renewables, and uh, we started doing uh, and learning about business as we went. My wife was far ahead of me because she'd had one business course in college. Uh, I'd had none. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we just jumped off the cliff edge and uh, knew that if, if things didn't work out, we'd go back and get jobs. And what year was this when you actually started the company? 1998. 98. So you're, you're still a very young company. Then. Right, right. And how are you doing right now? And, and what's the difference between now and when you started in terms of the, the climate? I don't mean the global climate. I mean the business climate for this field. But it's a world of difference. In 1998, um, what we call net metering didn't exist in many, many states. So we weren't allowed to interconnect easily to the utility. The technology for interconnecting to the utility didn't exist broadly. And so our market was really uh, off-grid residential work, small homes in the woods, Great market, uh, not going to change the world or create any economic impact. Now we have technology where it's very simple to install, connects with the utility, the regulations are in place in about 40 states, 
to make that interconnection very, very easy. Um, the technology of the panels has become more efficient. The uh, pricing has continued its uh, uh, annual decline, and so now solar is, uh, rather than being a pure lifestyle choice or available for those who are off-grid, it's an affordable choice for many, many areas of the country today. So, so we now have a business. We didn't have a business back in '98. So this industry now exists, whereas ten years ago it was more of a a mom and pop hobby shop. Right. Yeah, really. Let me let me ask you about me personally because I've I've toyed with the idea of installing solar because I get a fair amount of of uh, sun hitting my house, a flat roof, no no blockage. There's not a tall building nearby that'll It'll block the sun from hitting the roof, but but my own attitude has always been sort of like the trap you can get into with buying a computer. Let me wait another year because the technology will be better, the panels will be half the weight, and they'll cost half as much, and they'll be twice as efficient. What's am I right? Am I what's wrong with my thinking? Well, there's there's a couple things that are interesting. while solar is a technology that has a lot of uh, similarities to the computer and computer chips, um, the difference is, is that a computer eventually becomes obsolete. Uh, Microsoft comes out with a new software that just doesn't work very well in the old one or, or, or something similar to that. Um, a, a solar panel creates electrons, and we use those electrons in our homes and in our businesses to run motors and lights and everything else. We'll be using the same electron in 25 years. Right. So what what the panel's producing, what it ultimately does, uh, won't change and, and is and is very effective today. The uh, efficiency of the power conversion equipment is already in the very high 90s. So uh, maybe in 20 years you can get an extra 1%. Uh, not worth waiting 20 years for. And interestingly enough, while the prices are declining, the uh, government incentives are also declining. And so what you have is, is a, a race to when is the best time to buy solar, if we look back historically over the last four or five years, the best time to buy solar has always been in the present day because um, as the prices in the equipment and installation decline, the incentives tend to decline faster. That's fascinating. That, that strikes me as being kind of backwards to the way our, our national thinking should be on this, that this is a good thing to incentivize. So as soon as it looks like it might be able to stand on its own two feet, we're removing the incentives. But I think it's, it's, it's not quite that extreme, mm-hmm. um, although we certainly don't get the support that other traditional fossil energies get. Um, and, and now in, in some states, uh, more and more states, it's actually cost-effective versus the power companies to buy solar with existing incentives. So um, the incentive levels in many states are okay, uh, we're always working to get them to be more fair, um, but the the incentive levels are appropriate to, to allow in New York State for your home mm-hmm. uh, you to put in a system and, and compete very effectively against your utility, make power uh, at the same price or cheaper, and of course why are we comparing the price of solar power versus utility power because solar power is so much cleaner and friendlier and U.S. made and uh, uh, doesn't harm the planet and all those great things, and you're comparing that versus what we call dead dinosaur power. How long would it take, and I realize this could vary depending on the state, but uh, if you can give any kind of an answer, for the my initial investment to to pay for itself? Anywhere from 5 to 15 years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what's more important typically than, than how long it takes to pay back is if you can get a loan, and financing has become available in more and more states, get a loan whereby your cost per month is instantly lower than it was. So if you're paying a utility bill of $100 a month and we can replace a portion of that and save you money every month out of your pocket, the payback doesn't matter. What matters is next month you start saving money. So in some states, the, the it's now the question is now not um, how much do I need to pay to get solar. It's how much can I save by getting solar. Mm-hmm. And it's really turned it on its head. And so now it's one of the few consumer items where uh, not only can I, I get it because I want it, but I can get it because I want it, and I just saved money. You just got back from Germany. Correct. You were at a solar show in Germany. Yeah, in- InterSolar, which is the largest solar expo in the world. The situation in Germany compared to the United States, I mean, you said it was the largest uh, the, right. The, the right. company for a country for, for solar. So what's the difference there and here? Um, at the most fundamental level culture and culture that extends all the way through the government. Uh, they recognize at a uh, uh, federal level climate change is a problem. They recognize that renewable energy to replace uh, fossil-fired energy is critical. They also recognize that it's uh, very important for energy security. Uh, they get a lot of their energy from Russia, who they're trying to wean themselves off of. Um, so for a whole lot of, of reasons that apply to the U.S. as well, they actually understand that renewables will help their overall economy. And uh, while some of their big energy companies fight it, uh, the big energy companies are also figuring out now how to make money off of this, and so they've transitioned the energy company culture as well. Uh, not 100% by far, but the, uh, the the culture at the personal level, the corporate level, and the uh, government level all says renewables are good, they're important, they're part of our solution. And so they incentivize them very highly. It's possible to put solar in as a homeowner or as a business owner or as its own enterprise and make money on it through a very, very simple uh, uh, incentive structure. They also have very uniform uh, installation practices, and their regulations on their construction industry are easier. Uh, the permitting is easier. And most importantly, they have a central bank that's actually lending money, which is kind of a novel idea today. Um, and, 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 of course, lending money is what we need to make commercial business work as well as residential. So I guess, I guess the answer is um, they're doing a lot of things right. There's no one thing. They're doing a lot of things right. And uh, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from there. We'll do some things differently here, which is all right. We are, we are sort of like a separate com- uh, country. Right, um, sort of. Right. <laughs> 30 years from now, is ExxonMobil going to be in the solar energy business? Uh, I think that they'll either be in the solar energy business or they won't be in business. Uh, it won't be all of their business by far. Right. We'll still be using oil. We'll still be using gas. We'll still be using coal. Um, we'll be using those at far diminished levels than what we are today. Uh, and most of the energy companies are doing more and more work in renewables, solar, wind, tidal, biomass. Now you do photovoltaic. You also do hot water heating. What do we get from hot water heating in addition to a hot shower that the sun paid for? Um, well, isn't that a pretty good deal? That's a good deal, <laughs> true. But, th- I mean, do we do we store that heat and then use it to heat homes as well? So th- there's uh, several different types of solar thermal. The easiest is just solar domestic hot water, where it, it offsets part of your domestic hot water heating and, and gives you that hot shower. Right. And that's the easiest and most widespread um, uh, domestic heating. 
Uh, actually, the most widespread solar thermal of them all is solar pool heating. Tremendously effective, very, very short payback periods, very simple to install. Um, huge amount of it already installed. Very, very, it's off-the-shelf technology for the last 20 years. Um, in terms of heating homes, we can heat homes with solar hot water as well. It's a little harder to do because we're working with the uh, smallest solar resource in the wintertime in many areas uh, to try and create the biggest loads. Um, so it's a little harder to do, but we, we do that, and we can offset, and, and it's all about shaving part of the load off. It's about combining different resources and using some renewables to decrease your other uses. Mm -hmm. I know you did a big project at uh, Fenway Park. What exactly did you do at Fenway? We put on a, a large solar hot water system that heats the water for their restaurants. There's quite a restaurant complex there that's open both during ball games and, and uh, other times as well. And, and you know, just a couple of benefits from the solar hot water system. Uh, it provides about, uh, I believe it's, it's uh, a little less than half of the hot water for the restaurants. Uh, there was a game in August that was happening and their boilers malfunctioned and shut down. And the solar hot water system actually made all the hot water that day for the restaurants and kept people very happy in the ballpark during the game. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe the biggest benefit it's delivered so far is the day that we cut the ribbon on the system is the day that John Lester pitched his no-hitter. <laughs> so, so clearly, all the ballparks should be putting solar hot water on their stadiums to, to get results like that. Which, for the non-baseball fan out there, even Yankee fans were happy about that. One thing, they weren't playing the Yankees, and another Lester was had just recovered from cancer. So that, that was a nice thing. Well, it's a good thing you have some power because you're not getting any out of David Ortiz. <laughs> now, um, I, I wanted to get back to uh, home installation. Uh, in Tom Friedman's book, Hot, Flat, and Crowded, he talks about trying to install solar panels at his home. I think it's in Maryland. And just the, the unbelievable bureaucratic hoops he had to jump through. And uh, it would seem like that this is the kind of thing that would be encouraged I mean, you, you've touched on this somewhat with the different regulations in different states and the incentives, but how, how much trouble would somebody likely run into? Uh, you know, let's, let's, you pick a state. Right. Well, uh, it, it, it varies very widely yeah. from uh, no trouble at all, uh, very simple one page permit, walk in, get the permit, walk out, and do the job, to. Um, to places where you actually can't install solar because the bureaucracy is too thick. Uh, it can take weeks, months, or, or, or never happen. Um, so it, it, the construction industry is very much stuck in the, I'm not sure if it's the 50s or the early 60s, uh, in terms of its regulations, its codes, um, and its enforcement. And solar is a new thing, and new things uh, must be inherently dangerous and ugly, according to our culture. Uh, and and we hate change as a society. So people are very worried about they've got this nice house and this nice housing development. They don't want to see solar panels. They don't know what solar panels look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've never figured out why people are so enamored with the look of asphalt shingles. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't want you to cover those up and put solar panels on them. No, it's a very kind of schizoid culture in that people can't wait to get the newest iPhone. Why is there this reluctance on, on the part of the consumer for something that's, you know, theoretically going to power their home and save them money and power that iPhone and iPod well, I think love? I think it's actually a very small percentage of people who, who disrupt the uh, uh, regulations. 
and uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, a building permit, any one of your neighbors and often anybody in the whole community can uh, challenge your request for a permit and can also um, help to create those regulations that become very restrictive as well. And so if you had to, had to ask your entire community, can I buy an iPhone? Mm-hmm. There's probably somebody in your community who's going to say, no, Steve, you can't buy an iPhone. Fortunately, we don't need to ask that. You know, we can just go out and buy almost anything we want. Um, but when we affect the look and aesthetic of our house, people are worried about their own resale value in their own house. Um, so it hits them in, in theoretically in the pocketbook. Of course, what we're finding is that houses with solar have a better resale value, which means a house with solar is that you're going to increase the resale value of a house that doesn't have solar next to it. So you're not anti-regulation. You're anti the current regulations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're in a, a, a governed society, which is where I want to live, and uh, we need regulations. We just need regulations that uh, appropriately address the needs of the many and appropriately address the uh, climate crisis and let us proceed with good solutions quickly. And they recognize what the current state of technology is. Absolutely. The current very, very safe state of technology, the extremely high quality of the solar products that are being installed today, the fact that they're all listed by large government uh, national testing laboratories and such. Um, This is very safe, very sound product built by multinational companies that you've heard of like Sharp and GE. What's, What's on the horizon? I just saw just this morning, I happened to see a press release regarding flexible photovoltaics. And, you know, my image in my head of uh, a PV panel is still a rather big slab that maybe has motors that adjust its angle a little bit so that it can follow the sun and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, steal just a few more electrons, a few more photons will hit it and you'll generate some more electrons because you're going to get the right angle on the, the incoming ray. But And then these flexible photovoltaics would apparently... You know, increase your, the the surface that's getting the direct sun. So, well, what what about something like that? And where? What other kinds of innovations are you seeing on the horizon? The flexible photovoltaics, when they get installed, they still get installed flat. Typically, uh, they can conform to maybe a little bit of a curved roof surface, but they're mm-hmm. typically installed pretty flat. And by the time they're installed, they become unflexible once they're installed. Okay. The, the flexibility is is a uh, feature of their how they're constructed and and how you can install them but not how they end up being. Is the advantage there that you can you can more easily cover more surface area with them? Uh, in some applications. Uh, th- we, we need to remember there's, there's typically no one solution that fits all. Mm-hmm. No, no, no one size shoe that fits all. So uh, the, the flexible panels have a, uh, a great application in uh, flat roofs to directly adhere to rubber roofs. Um, but the, uh, the, the standard glass panels also can be applied on the same kind of roof using a different method. Um, in terms of, of new technology, I, I call myself a an evolutionary technologist and a revolutionary businessman. I, I don't I don't believe that there is going to be a silver bullet that comes out and changes our technology radically overnight. The uh, products that are in our warehouse, the products that are rolling through the manufacturing lines today, do an awful lot, and they're very um, not flexible, literally, but very flexible in application mm-hmm. as to what they can do. Um, so the products we have today are great. They are being incrementally changed. And so they're getting better all the time. But as we said earlier, they're still producing the same old electrons, and they'll still continue to produce the same old electrons. So in 20 years, we'll see some different shapes and sizes and, and uh, different efficiencies and such. 
but the uh, if if you were to wait 20 years to put solar on your roof, you would have missed the next 20 years of production. And I'm not going to get a, a panel 20 years from now that churns out twice as many electrons as a panel with the same surface area today? Probably not. And if you did, the panels you buy today would be all paid off and you could trade up, uh, similar to a computer, except that actually when you trade up on the panel, you'll probably get some money back on that 20-year-old panel, whereas uh, your computer in 20 years, not going to get a lot of refund for it. You talked about the fact that the, the banks in Germany are actually loaning money. If I wanted to do this project myself, you know, am I going to get a home improvement loan to do this? Uh, there's a couple ways to, to finance it, and there's, there's more coming. Today, you can get a home improvement loan to finance it, and, and your home improvement loan monthly cost will probably be less than the utility bill you're offsetting. Uh, in, in two states, Massachusetts and California now, we can actually offer you a deal where it's $1,000 down, and then your monthly payment is typically less than your utility bill, and that's through a leasing program. It's an 18-year leasing program, and all the maintenance is taken care of, all the worry is taken care of. If the system doesn't work, you don't pay. So it's absolutely risk-free. Uh, that kind of finance will be coming out in more states soon. Then there's also... How do you know that? that you, do you know that the political climate is is loosening up so that that's going to happen? That's not political-driven. That's uh, financial market-driven. That's commercial. Okay. Right. It's a commercially available uh, program we're working with a, with a lender on. Um, and I know they're working on other states that we're working with them on. Then um, there's a program that Berkeley, California did called the Berkeley First Program where you actually get to finance your uh, solar electric system and home improvement on the tax bill and pay it off on your taxes over 20 years at a lower interest rate. And that type of uh, financing is being spread throughout the country. Maryland just passed a law allowing that. Vermont just passed a law allowing that. So uh, that will be spreading like wildfire throughout the states and allow you yet another way to own solar very, very affordably. Solar, solar is now affordable for middle America. So stuff is happening all over the place. But would it, would it be better for you, and I really don't know the answer to this. This might sound like a naive question. But would it be better for you if the President of the United States gets on TV and says, this is what we're going to do and that we're going to make this a, a national standard where anybody can just do this at any time they want? I mean, is that even possible to do? Um, it's possible to do, and we're working on it. And uh, this president actually knows how to spell solar and has been saying solar very frequently, very, very frequently. So he's a, been a great advocate for it to date. Um, so we are working on some national standards, um, and we'll get some of those. Uh, it, it's a big uphill climb. And there's, while he is president of the United States, he's not president of every state. And much of what we're working with is state regulation, not federal regulation. I think so, he is the president in every state, but not the president <laughs> of that, every that, state. That's correct. <laughs> a absolutely. He is the president of, of, of the United States, um, but not all the governors uh, follow him, shall we say. Um, so, so he's doing a great job, and, and there's a lot more that he will do. He just announced some more money for solar and incentives for research and development. And there is a lot more in the works for solar from this president. And the stimulus package that uh, that was finally passed? We're beginning to see some of the stimulus money roll out. You know, we, we have a big bureaucracy for our government. It takes them a long time to give out money. Uh, if you and I had, were in charge, we could give out money much faster, I think. Um, but that money is finally beginning to roll into the, the states. And there's many, many different programs. Uh, the one we're seeing the fastest is uh, money rolling into state energy programs 
and many states are rolling it into solar energy programs to uh, either refund the incentive pools that have dried up or to uh, increase and expand their incentive programs. And that's immediately available to us and, and really helps to help us sell jobs, which puts people onto rooftops and into cars, selling solar, and uh, really helps to drive the economy forward. So it's a very fast hit stimulus money. When you see the, the um, delegates at a convention chanting, drill, baby, drill, what was your reaction? My reaction was I created a bumper sticker, which I handed out, called Sun Baby Sun. Um, I think Drill Baby Drill is is the uh, uh, most inane, idiotic expression of a national energy policy I've ever heard. Um, and I, I was, quite frankly, ashamed to be associated with it. Um, and, and as an American. As, as an American, right. Right. Um, and, and so I thought the, the Sun Baby Sun had a lot more look for the future of America than Drill Baby Drill does. Uh, uh, as, as Tom Friedman pointed out, uh, the, the, oil, the, the energy that comes from below seems to have a lot of the characteristics we associate with coming from below, whereas the energy that comes from above seems to have uh, more heavenly characteristics. On the sunny side of the street I use... Grow Solar's website is, you guessed it, growsolar.com, G-R-O-Solar.com. Now it's time to play Totally Bogus. Here are four science stories, only three are true. See if you know which story is totally bogus. Story one, the president of Turkmenistan opened a new cancer hospital in that country by becoming its first patient for the removal of a melanoma. Story two, Neil Armstrong probably really did say that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, which makes a lot more sense. Story three, a new app turns a cell phone into a fluorescent microscope. And story four, a runway at JFK Airport in New York was closed recently for wildlife, not bird flocks that could damage engines, turtles all over the tarmac. Time's Up Story 4 is true. At least 78 diamondback terrapins were scampering, well, crawling around the runway at JFK. That was in early July, having emerged from Jamaica Bay next to the airport. Airport workers gathered them up and took them back to the bay in time to make their connection. Story 2 is true. Armstrong always thought he said one small step for a man, and computer analysis of the tapes indicates that a 35-millisecond waveform is probably the missing A, but in the noisy transmission it gets lost. Story 3 is true. It's a bit more complex than the usual downloaded app, but this particular app does make a cell phone a decent fluorescent microscope that can reveal the presence of malaria parasites, TB bacteria, and the sort. Lenses on a bracket fit onto the cell phone, according to the article in the journal Public Library of Science 1 that describes the phone app. One impetus for the invention was that developing countries with poor healthcare facilities tend to have good mobile phone technology. All of which means that story one about the Turkmenistan president becoming the first patient at a new cancer hospital is totally bogus. Because what is true is that the president opened the cancer hospital by performing the first surgery, removal of a tumor from behind a patient's ear. The president is the country's former health minister and a dentist. And the ear is close to the mouth, so it's all okay. 
Well, that's it for this episode of Science Talk. Check out scientificamerican.com for the latest science news and video of the lengthy solar eclipse that wowed Asia on the 22nd. For Science Talk, I'm Steve Mursky. Thanks for clicking on us. Thank you.